I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Our nation's capital is always a place of hustle and bustle. It's often a rat race and a chase, especially when members of Congress return after a two week in state work period. Well, this week, a number of members of the House of Representatives had the opportunity to slow down from that chase and rat race just a little bit as they toured the newly renovated Washington, D.C. Temple. And among those who went on this tour and uh, one who led this tour uh, from the delegation from the House of Representatives was Utah Congressional Representative from the 2nd District, Chris Stewart. And he joins us on the line. Congressman, thanks for joining us. Uh, great to be with you, and boy, it was great to see you out here in D.C. for a little bit at the beginning of the week. Thank yeah. you for coming out and supporting that. Oh, it, uh, as we say, it's always nice to go out and visit, and it's even nicer to get on the plane and come back home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yep. well, You had the opportunity to organize uh, a number of your colleagues to go out uh, for a special tour uh, during the open house of the Washington, D.C. Temple. Give us just a little perspective of this bipartisan group of congressmen and women who came out. Uh, what was was that experience like for you and for some of your colleagues? Well, you know, it turned out to be far more emotional than I thought it was going to be. Uh, and I'm so, I'm so, you know, honored that many of them took the time, including, you know, the leader, Kevin McCarthy, uh, for him to take whole evening is very, very difficult. Normally he would, you know, go not to one reception or one event, he'd go to four or five or six. And he cleared the whole evening to come out with us. And we had, I think about a dozen others, including so many who brought their wives, but, you know, I think they kind of viewed this as, well, it's a beautiful building. Everyone, I mean, it, it's a, it's a universally recognized building here in the, in the district and, and really probably along, along the entire East Coast. And so they wanted to come see the architecture, see the beauty of this, of this building and learn a little bit about it. But, you know, it really turned into something much more than that. And I say it turned into quite an emotional experience for a lot of people and just a just very positive experience. I mean, uh, Elder uh, Christofferson led the tour for us and he's, of course, a powerful and and uh, such a sincere leader. And I think they sensed that from him. And it was it was just such an honor to, you know, be in that environment with a group of people like that. We, we've been commenting uh, throughout the day as I've been kind of reflecting back and, and uh, often when we think about members of Congress, we think about 
speaking or arguing or debating or at least words coming out. Uh, and for many of the members of Congress, the, the most powerful thing was uh, a moment to say nothing at all, but to just be in the stillness yeah. and the silence. Uh, tell us about the experience of some of your colleagues there. You know, and that's what many of them commented on, by the way, was, I mean, it's, again, it's a, such a beautiful building from inside and out. And you see the baptistry with the oxen, which is kind of an iconic figure that many people have seen pictures of that. And the, and the seating rooms where we talk about, you know, the importance of families and marriage. But in this case, we got to sit in, you know, what for those of us who share this faith, you know, what is really a special place uh, and and that's the celestial room where there's nothing that really happens there. It's just a time for people to sit and reflect in an incredibly beautiful environment. And, you know, we did that for a period of time. And I tell you, you could have heard a pin dot. It was just utterly silent, uh, which, you know, cut off the hustle and bustle of the city. There's not many places you can go in the city where it really is as silent and as as peaceful as it was there. In my office here, I can hear traffic, I can hear voices and, you know, all the bustle, but, you know, not there. And uh, and that's what a lot of people reflected on as we talked with them after was, you know, just the the, the real sweet uh, experience and the, and the special feeling that is in that environment, which is really, really hard to find here in, in, the, in the hassle and the commotion of the city. Yeah, it was interesting. One of the uh, comments from one of the senators uh, that came out uh, of that experience just the night before uh, you and your colleagues from the House came through uh, was that he he felt this uh, this sense of peace, but that he also felt this sense of place uh, that he was more connected both to humans of all kinds, uh, to his fellow travelers, uh, but also to the divine. Uh, and that seems to be something that we could use a lot more of in our nation's capital, that sense of place, that we are connected to each other, regardless of party affiliation, regardless uh, of where we fall on the political spectrum. Uh, what are the lessons that, that you hope that, that those who went through will be able to apply and things that you'll be able to use as a member of Congress? Well, and I think it was what you just said, Boyd. I mean, we had Republicans and Democrats. We had members of the Jewish community. We had, uh, you know, Protestants, uh, Catholics, uh, a wide range of, of Christian faiths who were with us. Uh, and people who, as I said, politically, you know, don't, don't agree on everything. But that wasn't what this moment or this experience was about. And, and you, it is a, it is a powerful reminder and it's a necessary reminder that we are all children of the same God and we're all trying to do our best in this life. And I think most people are trying to serve their nation and protect their nation for their children and for, you know, those who will follow. Uh, and it was a good reminder that, uh, those battles, those day-to-day battles are important, but they're not the only thing that matters and in, in more of an eternal sense. They're not the main thing that matters. And you know, I was grateful for the opportunity. It was, it was a really nice experience for me. Uh, fantastic. And uh, now shifting uh, to the, the work in the city, it's, uh, it's always interesting to come out of that building. Uh, and I had uh, several opportunities to do that where I literally walked out of the temple and then got into an Uber and, and went to the United States Capitol. Uh, and the, uh, the, the changes as you go towards the, the Capitol building are, are always pretty amazing. Uh, but as you went back to the, the Capitol and as you look at the weeks ahead, what are some of the things that you're working on that we should be watching for uh, in terms of some opportunities to, to get some things done? for the American people. Yeah, so for instance, let me, let me say one, thing, one more thing about this if I could, uh, Boyd, and that is, you know, I, I just spent some friends from Utah were here and we went, went over to the Capitol just now and, you know, it was kind of quiet there and and there's a, there's 
I think deep down there's a sense of the same kind of feeling in the Capitol and the other buildings here in that represent our nation. I mean, the, the nation's capital represents freedom. It represents, you know, the very best ideals of, of humankind and human history. And I think there's a there's the same or at least there could be the same type of feelings of, of you know, gratitude and sacredness in our own capital buildings but of course much of that gets lost in the day-to-day debate and sometimes that debate gets far far too emotional far too chaotic but to your question you know one of the things that i think are just incredibly important and that is and we've stepped across the line and it's become my primary priority for the next several months is we've got the department of justice and the fbi using the cia the national security agency elements of the intelligence community they've been they found a way to justify using those agencies to spy on american citizens and we just cannot allow that it's it's so destructive to the sense of trust that the americans need in those agencies to know that they're not turning that enormous power against them and this administration unfortunately has really made that a focus and we just can't do that. In the long term, they will pay an extreme price if we allow that to happen. And between now and the end of summer, we're really focusing on this legislation that I put forward. And, and with a bipartisan support, by the way, this isn't a Republican idea, bipartisan idea to say, no, we're not going to turn the powers of, again, the CIA, the NSA and others against U.S. persons. They have constitutionally protected rights. We're just not going to do it. And I, I think that's the most important thing I could do over the next several months. Uh, Congressman, I'm so, I'm so glad you raised that because uh, as I watched that kind of play out today and just the astounding numbers that uh, were targeted or had their data uh, looked at without a warrant. Uh, and, and then kind of juxtaposition that to the, to the temple where all of these first freedoms come together, uh, in my view, that you've got, you know, this, uh, this, of course, uh, freedom to worship, but you also have this freedom of speech, this freedom to assemble, uh, and then what you're talking about in terms of people, uh, not being targeted, uh, by those agencies, uh, you know, without their knowledge, uh, I think all of that kind of comes together into something that is part, those first freedoms are first for a reason. That's exactly right. And you know what, boy, there's tons of Democrats who agree with that. Uh, I mean, historically, this would have been a Democratic priority, right? Uh, protections of individual rights, uh, ACLU and others. That's one of their primary functions, at least it has been and it should be. So this isn't a Republican agenda. This is a bipartisan Republican, Democrat, independent agenda. And uh, and that's why we're we're very enthusiastic that we're going to have a lot of across the aisle support for this effort. Wonderful. Representative Chris Stewart, thanks so much for making time for us today. Appreciate your perspective from back in Washington, D.C., uh, both from a very interesting and historic moment at the Washington, D.C. Temple of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and also on these important first freedoms uh, in your work there in Congress. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you always. All right, we'll step aside for one last commercial break. Uh, when we come back, we'll close out the week with some reflections from Washington, D.C., some lessons learned, and more importantly, where do we go from here? Stay with us. More to come on Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. 
Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.